Why do we do it? Why do we maybe not always look the same on a, when we gather on a Sunday? Maybe, um, you know, we're in this space, maybe we're in a different space, and just w- w- what's the point in doing that? So I just wanted to recap. Um, for those of you, if you weren't here last week, really encourage you to um, have a listen online. The guys have loaded up um, Andy's message from last week. It was, it was just brilliant, um, just a really great way, an invitation of starting the year, um, but also the decade. Um, it's not that what's gone before, this is all of a sudden all different and all new, but I think it's just fantastic to always stop, take stock, like he said, reflection points, points to look back as we're moving forward. You know, what's the father been doing? What's he still longing to do? What does he want to do around us and in our hearts? Um, and so we started, if you want to have a look, I'm sorry I didn't get this up on um, the screen because I thought it was just going to be a quick recap, but um, Andy looked at a, a book called in First Corinthians, um, if you want a Bible, I think there are some at the side, First um, Corinthians 13, and Lots of you may have heard it if you've been to weddings and places like that before, because it's a whole passage where, where it's talking about love, what love is. Um, and there's so much in it, honestly, we could, you know, you really could spend a very long time just, just, um, staying in that place of the Father unpacking what it, what it does mean, what it looks like, what it feels like to truly be loved and then to love one another the way he has loved us. Um, but it's particularly towards the end of 1 Corinthians, the last um, verse in chapter 13, that I just want to take us back to as a recap. As I say, I'm not going to obviously go over everything Andy said. Um, but in the, the last little bits, the whole passage goes through. It tells us what love is. And it talks a lot about some other things that are really important, and they're really, really important, like prophecy, which is just God speaking into our lives and into situations, knowing about him, so learning through teaching and listening to messages or talking to our friends who, you know, we want to ask them questions about how it all works and what it all means. And all of those things in this passage, it says, you know, they're good, they're important, we need them, but they're only ever going to give us a part of the picture. You know, he's saying we're not ever going to get all of this in this part of our journey, (laughs) And, and this side of walking on planet Earth, there's always going to be an element where we don't get the, the fullness of everything that God is about. And so we want to still keep pressing into him for those things, but maybe sometimes that's why that's not the only thing we do when we gather on a Sunday. Maybe that's why when we get together midweek in our clans, we're not necessarily always opening um, the Bible to just gain knowledge or read things um, for understanding. We always want to be doing that. It matters, and we always want to focus a bit of our life into that as well. But really what this passage is also saying, that while that matters, there are some really simple but deeply profound things that are, thing, that, that are going to be the things that as we continue forward in our journey for the days that we've got here on planet Earth, these are the things that are our companions. And Andy talked last week about when we go on a journey, you know, when we set off somewhere, you know, who we take with us really matters. You know, we want the people in our lives 
And when we're doing that journey here, we're going to add to the picture, who are going to encourage, you know, encourage us, bring their skill mix to the picture. You know, we don't, we don't take along people on a journey that, that have no, no place or, or purpose or reason in being there. It's the essentials, the absolute essentials that are going to allow us to, to take that journey, like Andy referred to Bilbo Baggins, we love Lord of the Rings in our household, you know, and it's such a good story about that, you know, you go with the things that are, you, that you literally will not be able to do it unless those things are part of the picture. Um, and what Andy did was pulled out in the end of 1 Corinthians, Corinthians 13, what most matters are those three things that are listed there. And we read it in the message which says, trust steadily in God, hope unswervingly, love extravagantly. And what he's, he's, all he's encouraging and inviting us all into is for these to be the absolute characteristics, the things that characterize our lives. Whatever else we do, Whatever other gifts we've got, whatever he's called us to do, whether it, it might be serving coffee, whether it might be lecturing in a university, working in the hospital, whatever else we get to do, these are the things that he just longs to be the characteristics of our lives. And one of the things Helen and I often like to do if we've, we've taken days out, um, being from a fairly new country, is wherever we go to a town, we tend to visit the church, partly just because they're old and We've taken to stopping and taking time and reading um, the, the sort of plaques that people have put up in the churches about people's lives who have, who have you know, passed and, and no more. And it's amazing reading them. You learn something about a person that you never knew. It was hundreds of years ago, but you see a little glimpse into their life of the kind of person that they were, what they were characterised by. And, you know, these three statements, I think, wouldn't it be amazing... You know, if you imagine when you come to the end of your time that, that on the wall of a church or on a gravestone or when someone gets up to talk about you, it just says this, trusted steadily, hoped unswervingly, loved extravagantly. Wouldn't that be like a phenomenal, like I just, I just was like, oh yeah, I can, I can finish now. <laughs> that would be, that How amazing would that be if that was just the final words that encapsulated who you were as a person? And actually, it's the thing that God's inviting us all into, that I think there's that sense where across the world, at the end of time, there should be millions upon millions of gravestones that read that, because there's been people who have just loved God. They've let him love them, and they've loved him back and lived out their lives in that way. So that's the invitation. You know, and I think the more we mull on this, the, the, almost the simpler it gets. You know, trust. Trust steadily. Rose's been using a word quite a bit recently when we, when we talk about things, just plodability. Having plodability. You know, people where we just do the same thing, day in, day out, day in, day out because it's aligning ourselves to the heart of the Father and who he is and the things he wants other people to be welcomed into. Plodability, just trusting, but not just trusting, trusting steadily. There's a measuredness to that. 
There's a not an up and downness where in one instant we feel amazing and in the next minute we're doubting God. We all do that. Well, I do that. I'll speak for myself. And have those amazing times where I'm just like, oh, yes, I know God's fully got this for me and he's going to take care of it. And I'm in a real place of rest. And then two days later, something else happens and it's like, ah, and, you know, start to catastrophize and make it into all sorts of things. And increasingly, you know, my prayer is just, Father, help me just to trust steadily, day in, day out, always coming back to you. And our trust in him, guys, is based, the word of that, it means a guarantee. If you buy a product or a warranty, it comes with a warranty. It's the manufacturer saying, we will absolutely do, and this product will do what it says on the tin, and we back it with our company name, our reputation, everything we are. It's a promise that, that this is what it's meant to be. And that, that's what trusting is, is knowing that we can know a God for ourselves personally, that we can just trust that when he says he's going to do something, when he says he's going to be there for us, when he says that thing you're wrestling with is not beyond me and it's never going to separate you from me, you might think it's too big, you might think it's too dirty, you might think it's too shameful, but his promises, his warranty, guarantee to us is, you know, that is never going to be the case because that's not who I am, my love never fails. I never fail you. And so why we love to read the Bible is simply to find out who he is and what he's promising and how we know he's going to act in every situation because of who he is, that he can't behave any differently because that's who he is at his very being. So we love the word and we love teaching because As we do that, and then as we take that into spending time with him, he he just, in a sense, pours out and reaffirms those words over our lives personally, that nothing is too far or too big for him to step in and make a difference. So trust, man, if we live like that, eh, where we trust God because we can take him at his word, life starts to look quite different, doesn't it? Even if, in reality, it's really hard. But on the inside, and the way we stand in it, and the way we live it out can look really different. We're called to hope unswervingly. A little bit similar to steady, isn't it? Not swerving. I'm sure if you asked Helen Jones, she'd have lots of interesting stories to tell you about what it feels like as a driving instructor when you sit in a car and people are swerving. You know, it's not very stable. It doesn't feel very safe. It's not taking into account the bigger picture. Um, and, And hope brings us to that place where we are able to unswervingly look ahead and know that the Father has it because we can trust him. They work hand in hand. It's almost like we can't have one without the other, that we expect him to do everything he's promised. And one of the translations, the words for hope, is to welcome. And I think that's amazing. It's where we get our word welcome from. And so what we're doing when we're hoping, we're welcoming in a possibility. We're welcoming in a different way of looking something. We're welcoming in. We're not just staying 
with our mindset or our way of looking at it or the darkness that's come over us, even when that's very real, we're still taking that little glimmer that says, I welcome in, I believe, I choose to believe that there is something different for me. I choose to believe that there is something different for my friend or the person that I work with. And so he's called us to hope unswervingly. You know, I don't know how many Star Wars fans are in the room, but especially from the old ones, you'll remember, you know, there's those final journeys where they're heading towards the main target where it's going to save everything. And um, the guy's in his spaceship and he's freaking out because this is coming at him and this, and he keeps shouting out, oh, this is happening. And there's a guy that's speaking into his headphone that just says, stay on target. And he freaks out again and the voice says, stay on target. And it's almost like we've got to be a little bit like that, don't we? In our, the way we journey with God, that there are so many things that would come at us, so many difficult situations, so many pains, so many anxieties, so many concerns and stresses, and they come at us and the Father just keeps saying, stay on target. Trust me at my word. And that's when hope comes alive, guys. It's not some ethereal thing that we're just like, you know, we, we want to see hope and, and some sense of just a word floating out there break out in people's lives. What we're saying is, whatever somebody's situation is, we know that Jesus has a story ahead for them, that he longs to, to call each of us into a place where we can live, where when we keep our eyes fixed on him, where we keep our lives, our feet firmly planted in who he is and stay so close abiding with him and knowing that his promises are true, that that sense of glimmer of this is not the end of this story remains open. And that's how we can journey with people, speaking hope, acting hope, bringing hope into so many situations as we enable people we ourselves and standing with others to stay on target. Lots of you will know maybe a song um, written way back in the 1800s called It Is Well With My Soul. It's a very powerful song. And um, many of you will know the story, but for those that don't, it was written by a guy called Horatio Spafford. And Horatio Spafford was an American, very prominent lawyer in the, 18, uh, the 18, late 1800s in Chicago, really well-known businessman, very influential in the city. And he was a massive investor. And in 1871, there was the Great Fire of Chicago. And in that fire, Horatio Spafford lost virtually all of his investments. They were gone. And in the same year, he lost his only son, at four years old, to scarlet fever. That guy was having a tough year. Two years later, he was going to travel to the UK with his family, wife and four girls, for a holiday. He needed to stay back for some business um, requirements, and so he sent his wife and four girls on ahead of him. And he then set off... And during um, his journey, he received a telegram on the journey to inform him that the ship that his wife and girls were on had gone down. And the telegram came from his wife, and all it said was, saved alone. 
all four girls were gone. His wife survived. You know, this guy had lost all his finances. He had lost his son. He lost his four daughters. And in that place, and I just think, oh my gosh, how? You ask that question, don't you, immediately, how? How can anyone, how can you, how can any of us, how can I become a person that can sit then and pen a song that says, it is well with my soul? And we don't know what the voice was in the sense when he said that. It might have been, and I would imagine being through that, it came from the darkest place where he was just simply declaring because there was nothing else he had to hang on to at that point other than he knew what Jesus had done for him. He knew where his family was and that Jesus held them safe and that God was going to see him through the journey that he was going to have to face in the loss of all of that. That's powerful. That's trust, isn't it, steadfastly. That is hope unswerving, is to be able to do that. And I love that that's what the Father has invited all of us to do. And then love, and we know that this is the biggest, greatest, deepest, widest, most essential of them all, to love extravagantly. Um, Danny Silk, when he was writing on um, relationships, he says this, learning to partner with the spirit of love requires you to become powerful. It requires you to make powerful choices, to partner with a God who loves so extravagantly, who loves us like that, who loves each person in our city, our nation, and around the world like that, We need to become, in him, powerful people who make choices to walk a journey that will be costly in many ways for ourselves. It's not something that we take lightly, but he says it's the greatest of all of them. And we know, guys, that that we're not talking, it's not just about us exclusively here at Carlovinia. This is for everybody. But we're just talking to us as a community this morning. You know, that is what he's calling us to journey together. That's the kind of people that he's inviting each one of us to be. And, you know, it might be that some of you don't know that assurance. You know, you haven't yet come to Jesus and said, you know, I want to live in that place with you. I want that relationship where I can begin to know who you are to trust you beyond measure, to hope in, 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 in unswervingly and, and to know that I'm loved and to give that away. Guys, it's the invitation to all of us. No matter how well we think we know him, it's for each one of us. And not only on our own, but we want to do it together in community. So that's why this morning we're going to spend a little bit of time praying And it's only a start, and we're already praying, and we have been, and we always have as a community, and I know each one of you, you know, will be praying, and some of us might not even know what we're doing when we're praying, but we find ourselves talking to somebody that we don't even know who they are. It's there's something in us that longs to communicate and interact and invite in something or someone bigger than, than ourselves. So we know that everybody is doing that already. We just know as well that the Father is calling us into more in this this season ahead, in this year, more 
time with him because it's in prayer that we find his presence. Do you know, because prayer, guys, and, and if I did um, kids' work for a long time in church and, you know, it was always a thing around, we always, it was always a challenge when we came to talking about prayer. What is prayer? How do we pray? And if you're feeling like that, that's really normal. You know, it was one of the few things that the disciples asked Jesus was just like, how do we pray? So even they didn't really fully, you know, get it or understand it. But it is as simple as talking to God, even if we don't know fully what that means. Has anyone in this room ever found themselves talking to God or somebody beyond themselves? Anyone? Yeah, most people at some point have done that. Guys, that's just prayer. That's just inviting Jesus to, to, to interact in our lives. And so he comes in and, and he's there and he's present. And in, it's in his presence that we get to know him even more. That's all it is. It's really simple. So there's no specific or fantastic way, right way, wrong way. If you're talking to the Father, if you're talking to Jesus, if you're relying on Holy Spirit to, to help you in that, you know, that, that, that is just simply praying. And, you know, Ro touched on it um, when she was praying before and inviting us to say, you know, do we want to draw near to him this year? And, you know, the, the promise is, what we can trust him for is that he says if we draw near to him, he will draw near to us. So if we want to invite him into areas of our lives, into our world, into Carlisle, into situations, then all we need to do is talk to him about it. Because if we are drawing alongside him in that moment, he is drawing alongside us. He's present and he's present then to change things. Romans 12, 12, another book in the New Testament, it says this, be joyful in hope, patient in affliction, or in other words, hold up through the hard times that are to come. Be faithful in prayer. It's our three things again, just really simple. Stay in that place of hope that God can change something. Hold steadfast when it's not easy. And I know many of you are going through circumstances that just feel like you're being pummeled by them. And I know sometimes when somebody stands or comes alongside you and says, just hold firm, one of the feelings might be you'd like to smack them first because it can be really annoying. (laughs) But ultimately, that is it. There is no other way to come alongside and encourage one another where we stand and we take each other's arms and say, like that guy in the earphone, stay on target. Stay on target. God has promised you this. We stand with you, but stay on target because the Father's going to do it. So it's from those things and that place of um, expectancy. There's a story in Luke 18, and if you, any of you haven't come across it, Ro just flagged it up recently. It's a little devotional called Lectio 365. It's an app you can download, um, and it's put out by 24-7 Prayer. And it's just an amazing little sort of almost meditation devotional um, every day, just with some beautiful, usually five minutes, um, where it just brings you back 
to some of the real simple things that the Father is saying to us. And it was talking this week about the, the story in, in, um, that Jesus told, this story or a parable um, about a, a judge and there was this widow hassling him. She just kept coming at him saying, I'm being treated unjustly, I need you to act. And it talks about this guy, it says he did not care one iota for God and he didn't care one iota what people thought either. And so he ignored her and ignored her, but she just kept coming at him and saying, you know, I'm experiencing injustice. I'm going through these things. You need to do something. And eventually he decides to do something simply because she's gone on about it for so long. He wants to kind of bring, I think, make her quiet. But the point was in that story, it is her unswerving hope that this guy would do something, would act on her behalf, that there was a different way through. She was a widow, and they often suffered a lot of injustice and inequality in so many different ways. But she just didn't let that get in the way. She stood in a place of hope that she knew something could be different, and if she was just determined long enough and kept asking, then the situation could change. And that's all, in a sense, that prayer is that God would give us the grace to keep persevering. And we need it, man, because sometimes we feel really tired, eh? Rich and I have been talking a lot the last couple of weeks is, you know, what it means to grow weary in doing good. And how does the Father want to come alongside us, you know, to, to change that situation? But he's saying just keep going, gather people around you, you know, to help strengthen you along your journey. But keep going, stay on focus, keep asking me, stay in that place of hope that this can be different. So this morning we want to spend some time, and over that there's also just a flag up, if you've got your diaries, there's a couple of things coming up. Um, On the 24th of January, 7.30 till 9 at Hebron, and it's just a call for anyone across the city that wants to gather in that space to pray for our city. So that's an invitation to all of us guys in that that place to just gather with lots of other people to really, you know, stand before the Father with that hope unswerving that he wants to bring change into people's situations. And the other one is here on the 15th of January at 7.30. And that's, uh, if you want to find out about that, speak to Tim or Kim Perry, um, and that is about just gathering around praying for the men of the city, you know, that God has such a heart to want to change and transform, obviously for all of us, but we are just increasingly seeing things that men are struggling with, with no real feeling or a place to go, whether they, where they can be heard, where they could be honest, and, and we long to see that the tide turned on the number of men who are taking their lives because they see that there is no other possible hope. So if you would like to gather to pray around that. But on top of that, guys, this is a call, isn't it, to our daily life. This is not about prayer meetings. Um, It's not about attending things. This is about, in a sense, daily, day in, day out, on our own, gathering with others, different places and spaces, to go before the Father with, with our trust in him, knowing because we hope in him to do something different.